0: This is Talking Points, Kent's politics podcast. Hello and welcome to the Talking Points podcast, the podcast where we guide you through all the political news affecting Kent and beyond. I'm your host Oliver Kemp and with me is the KM's political editor, Paul Francis. How you
1: doing, Paul? i good, thanks, Ollie. It's been a bit of a quiet week all round, hasn't it? So Yeah, very, 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 very quiet. To talk
0: nothing going on. I mean, since we last chatted, we have somehow slipped into 2021. And in the last week of 2020 and the first week of this year, we've already got so much to talk about. It's like a veritable feast of political chat.
1: It is, yeah. And if you that doesn't to...
0: get people excited, I don't know what will.
1: Yes, you can't do better than have a feast of political chat, can you?
0: No, exactly.
1: Although we, don't, although we don't want to overindulge and feel
0: queasy afterwards. <laughs> We're already on our 2021 diets after Christmas anyway. So, <laughs> um, Right, so I, th- I think the first thing we probably need to talk about is the situation around school exams. So as most of you will know, the new national lockdown has meant schools have had to close once again. And this has put the government in a position where they've had to announce the second exam cancellation in as many academic years. So, Paul, this is GCSE's and A-level. So how is this approach different from last time around?
1: well in truth i don't think we yet know the full details of that uh, because the announcement came from gavin williamson uh, a couple of days ago uh, and uh, i've spoken to one or two head teachers who say that you know completely understand why the decision has been made uh, but want to f- flesh it out with a bit more detail before committing themselves to saying whether it's a good thing or a bad thing i mean wh- one of the um, obvious issues is how do schools or the examination authorities take account of the fact that um you know some pupils at some schools might have um, been away for for a long period pupils at another school may not uh, have been in for uh lessons Uh, so there is i think an issue there which the government has got to address and there's this suggestion possibly of um some kind of examination for key subjects like English and maths. So uh, Gavin Williamson has promised that he would uh, listen to teachers this time around rather than rely on the dreaded algorithm which caused so much grief last year. Uh, so I think we will ha- we'll have to wait and see what the precise details are.
0: I mean, that is one of the biggest differences though, isn't it? It's, you know, last time was quite frankly a mess and it left teachers frustrated, it left pupils frustrated because this algorithm, I mean, we, we saw countless stories, didn't we, across that examination week of, of, of kids that who had had their grades downgraded because of that algorithm and they were sometimes in a position where they couldn't even go to the universities that they had conditional offers for. So it really did mess a lot of things up. And then we had that U-turn, <laughs> one of many U-turns from the government in 2020, um, which which ended up being a bit of an embarrassment because if they had listened to teachers in the first place and put their trust in teachers then there wouldn't have been that that quite difficult situation for some pupils.
1: Yeah absolutely right and uh, you know I think one of the other issues is this, uh, uh, this situation regarding devices, laptops being made available for uh, students uh, you know school children who may not have access to that kind of uh, technology at home or are having to share that technology with their uh, siblings or with maybe their parent who's uh, working from home. so there are some issues around um, this discussion about uh, who should get laptops or some other device because the, the government is is aware that um, you know obviously, uh, there may be families who've got uh, more access to kind of technology than other families and the kind of the differentials might uh, cause some issues in terms of um, the ability or the capacity for uh, school children to kind of learn more from this remote teaching uh, scheme that the government uh, wants schools to follow
0: and this is the thing, isn't it? Uh, and there, there's been a lot of discussion on on the the provision for remote learning. You know, that there's not really, till this point, been a a standardised way of teachers being able to teach children pupils when when it's got to be remote learning, which which leaves a lot to be to be worked out by the schools. And and then you've got to add in the point as you as you just made that some kids aren't necessarily going to even have access because they don't have the right they don't have the right browser or the right device, or they might not even have decent internet where they live. So there's a number of different issues there. And really, it's no wonder that the exams are going to teacher assessed grades again this year, because many kids have missed out on so many months of school since since this, first, this pandemic first began.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I think one of the interesting announcements that did come out uh, from the government was the suggestion that they were going to classify as vulnerable those children who maybe didn't have the, the kind of access to it laptops etc and in classifying them as vulnerable that that would mean that they'd be able to go into school uh in the same way as children of uh, you know key frontline care working uh, jobs in you know in the in the nhs and other sort of public authorities uh so one head teacher i spoke to um was saying you know if we end up with lots of children coming in because they're classified as vulnerable in the government's eyes we're going to be back at a situation where we're dealing with you know almost normal classes
0: which which obviously the 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 issue with that is going to be that that this lockdown may not have the effect that they want in in pushing the virus numbers down
1: yeah quite yeah i mean i think there's there's a bit of policy move, making on the hoof there because they, the government was made aware that, you know, schools had reservations about um, who would have the necessary kind of technology. And I think they just thought, well, this is quite a good idea. Why don't, why don't we classify those without devices as vulnerable and then they can go into school as if it, as if it, everything was it was normal
0: Paul you shock me with the idea that there's been policy making on the hoof I <laughs> don't believe it for a second <laughs> no. I did, very briefly I think we need to talk Gavin Williamson so the education secretary I mean this maybe feels like a loaded question so so sorry um, but, but I mean how has he performed in his duty of being responsible for making sure education stays on track during this pandemic
1: well, uh, he's not a politician with uh, a great deal of humility around him. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I think the 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 situation this year was that he was trying to be much more conciliatory with schools and head teachers uh, about the sort of contingency arrangements that were in place. Because if you remember last year, the big issue was over this dreaded algorithm, which had. Uh, led to lots of students uh, potentially getting much lower grades than they were forecast to get uh, and he made a very big point of being saying that we are listening to teachers or we have listened to teachers now there's a moot point about whether they've listened hard enough or he's listened hard enough so um, he's done a little bit to repair his kind of image uh, but uh, as i say he's uh, he, he's not one who does humility particularly well <laughs>
0: oh dear well that's I mean, just well, the ego of politicians though you know? yeah yeah absolutely and, and i'm sure many people have um have many things to say about uh various different cabinet ministers and the way they've performed in their duties in yeah. the past 12 months but i mean the fact of the matter is they're under more scrutiny than ever before because we're all glued to our tv stations right, radio stations yeah. and websites to see how this pandemic unfolds so um, yeah. Not, not I mean, that I'm I th- not that I'm defending anybody, of course.
1: I think you know he's he's unfortunately sort of become the Chris the new Chris Grayling, you know. Who, oh, that's not that's uh, not something
0: you uh, want on your CV,
1: is it? With Chris <laughs> <was> Grayling, not, <laughs> um, who was the kind of fall guy for lots of things relating to Brexit and transport. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I was thinking the cabinet's always got to have someone who's kind of a lightning conductor for all the all the flack that comes the government's way, and I think he's Gavin Williamson is fulfilling that role.
0: Well, it felt like for a time Matt Hancock uh, served that role in twenty twenty as well. It felt like every time I went on Twitter, there was a meme about Matt Hancock or you know him standing yeah. too close to uh, to someone or <laughs> yes. him playing football and yeah, with very uh, we, strange we, faces.
1: We yes, and we, we talked about his. Uh, uh, tearful uh, appearance on uh, <laughs> ITV as well. That's I mean, still I just me can't imagine well. Gavin Williamson doing that. I can't, you can't really, can you?
0: No, sure. no, you can't at all, can you? At least at least Matt Hancock has some sort of personality, even if that was like a te- terribly badly thought out thing yeah. that he did on TV there, uh, sort of looking like he, he was crying but almost laughing at the same time. Um, yeah, I can't imagine Gavin Williamson doing the same thing. He sort of doesn't really have any facial no, expressions, does he? Exactly, yeah. It's very, very strange. Um, um, and, uh, not wanting to you know, talk about Gavin Williamson's face too much. Um, moving no. on to, uh, to, to continuing with this exams situation, um, obviously a bit more Kent specific, but the eleven plus. So, so how's how's the situation of the pandemic and schools close now uh, potentially affecting the, the eleven plus too?
1: Well, we we don't know yet what's going to happen in terms of the timing of the eleven plus test. It's uh, one one thing which the government is. Uh, aware of because they had this issue last year and they put back the timing of the test to mid-October, I think, when it was supposed to be September. Uh, I think the, the, the issue for a lot of schools here is, in, in terms of um, children taking 11 plus, is that they might go into that exam not having had the same amount of teaching time uh, learning uh, than they ordinarily would have expected to have in year six Uh, and there's also this issue again around you know who's got access to laptops devices Uh, and there is a concern that um, you know poorer brighter children from less well-off backgrounds might uh, not have the same kind of um, uh, preparation for doing the test as others in families where they have got this uh, kind of access to technology and are perhaps paying tutors for private coaching uh, in preparation for the 11 plus. So I think there is an issue there, but it's uh, it, it will largely depend on what the government decides is the best way forward. And of course, you know, if we come out of lockdown um, early, then it might not be an issue. But I think looking ahead, uh, that's not necessarily something which we can, be certain of and I, I know from talking to KCC people at the county council that they are aware this might become an issue uh, and hopefully we'll have some contingency plans to deal with it.
0: I mean hypothetically if you think about it it's it's difficult to try and work out a way around them not doing the test because the way the test is it, it doesn't work in the same way as GCSEs and A-levels so teacher, teacher assessing doesn't make any sense for the 11 plus I shouldn't yeah. think.
1: You're you're right, and I think the other uh, issue is the fact that uh, schools, primary schools, won't now be uh, doing uh, key stage two tests on children. And while that's uh, not necessarily part of the eleven plus exam, sometimes when parents make appeals, and they can appeal to head teachers. Uh, Head teachers will look at the um, Key Stage 2 uh, results as an indicator of, you know, whether they think a child should be or would, would find a grammar school appropriate or not. Uh, and they're not going to have those results uh, in black and white. But, you know, I know primary schools are pretty hot on monitoring progress, or most of them are. Uh, so it's just another... Um, thing thrown into the mix of uncertainty that we're having with a lot of government policy decisions.
0: Yes, and it makes it difficult for us to comment on them until we've uh, got all the information, so yeah. in, in that But I, mean, I
1: think for parents, I mean the, the, the fact that Casey, Kent County Council has acknowledged that this is something that potentially they will have to deal with uh, coming up uh, in, in, in the autumn, I know it sounds a long way away now, but uh, they, uh, they've got last year's experience to draw on in terms of both the exams and the, the 11 plus test.
0: Yes, well, obviously, with any of developments with 11 plus, GCC, and A level, uh, keep up to date on kentonline.co.uk.
1: Talking Points, Kent's Politics Podcast.
0: Now, whilst not geographically connected to Kent, the world was stunned by what happened in the US this week. Uh, For those living under a rock, supporters of Donald Trump stormed the Capitol building in an attempt to halt the democratic process of officially confirming Joe Biden as the next president. The rioters broke windows. They tried to steal paintings. It all ended with, with four people dead. Now, why are we talking about it? Well, a Kent MP has offered some pretty stern words to the social media giants of Twitter and Facebook for giving Donald Trump the platform to stoke up these rioters. Sorry, riotous? Rioters. I'll keep that in. Why not? Writers. Uh, rioters. Stoking up. I don't think Donald Trump not is really. stoking up any writers, is he? <laughs> Authors no, I don't are fuming. Think so, no. <laughs> um, Paul, tell us, uh, tell us what Damian Collins said to you.
1: Well, Damien Collins, who's uh, a member of the Culture, Sports and Media Committee, in fact, he chaired it uh, for a while, has been uh, fairly outspoken in terms of his uh, view that the uh, social media giants, as we call them, uh, have not been tough enough on suspending accounts uh, where uh, it's clear those accounts are uh, focused on spreading disinformation and whipping up anti-government sentiment. Uh, and he uh, came out with some fairly forthright uh, comments about this, uh, about these social media companies not acting uh, quickly or in a tough enough way uh, and said that, you know, they were responsible for kind of insurrection. This is what he had to say. He has whipped up this feeling amongst Americans that the election was stolen with no evidence and proof to that social media has been used to target that message at the people most likely to, to believe it. We have to recognise that that is that sort of disinformation is dangerous to democracy. We've seen a live example of what can happen if that goes unchecked. And if the president is the, ultimately the the ringleader, if he is the person who is who is ultimately directing this activity and encouraging people to do this activity, then the social media platforms have to have to close off that those channels if he's using them to encourage people to take to the streets and, and protest at the results.
0: Yeah, some pretty pretty stern words there. I mean, it, you know, I think...
1: I mean, I, I, it's interesting. We, we we put out a tweet about that, uh, about his comments. And of course, you know, the keyboard warriors were out <laughs> saying, oh, I bet he's never put anything uh, misleading on his website, you know, ironically, uh, of course. And it's, it's a fair point, I suppose. But I think, you know, there's a difference between um, uh, those who are kind of uh, whose sole aim is to spread kind of uh, disinformation and uh, apportion blame for things to the wrong sort of people or the wrong authorities. Yeah, it's a simple... uh, And it, th- this whole narrative of, you know, the, the claim by the Republicans and Trump himself that the election was stolen from them is, you know, pretty incendiary when he's talking about... Uh, marching on the Capitol Hill. Yeah,
0: and obviously worth saying as well that actually um the Republican support behind Donald Trump was very quickly petering away as this as this kind of riot broke out around Capitol Hill. You know, there's a lot of yeah. Republicans that previously stood behind Donald Trump uh, kind of seeing the situation unfold and realising that what the consequence potentially of telling people that an election has been stolen despite there being no actual evidence. Because that's the thing, isn't it? People can say... Oh, you know, Damien Collins! I bet you've never put um, something misleading on your on your Twitter or something. But that that's very different to con- consistently as as the president of the United States telling people that the election was stolen. That's a very different yeah. thing, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I, it it is. It's a it's a question of kind of you know emphasis. But you know, like a lot of people, I tuned tuned in sort of halfway through events. Uh, as they unfolded. And I I thought it was was almost like, um, you know, sort of one of those thrillers, action films, what is it? Olympus has fallen or, you know, where. (laughs) I thought Gerald Butler was going to turn up at some point. Exactly. Yes. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't want to kind of minimize the, uh, the, the kind of, uh, the ramifications of it all, but I just sat there thinking, this is supposed to be the cradle of democracy. And, you know, protesters have marched in uh, like a bunch of kind of uh, school kids in some way, kind of breaking back into school uh, and uh, spreading quite a a degree of alarm uh, amongst senators and politicians who are trying to get the validation of the election results uh, passed.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, starting right at the beginning of 2021. It is quite a stark um, example, isn't it, of how yeah. I was asked can... yesterday,
1: actually, w- you know, w- whether there's anything, any comparable kind of event that's happened. Uh, and, you know, in the Western world, definitely not. I mean, the closest that I could think was, in terms of UK politics, was the uh, the rebellion over the uh, poll tax, which uh, did for, for Margaret Thatcher. And uh, there was a big march in on London and Downing Street and it just broke out into, you know, violent clashes with the police, but it, I don't think it was anywhere near the scale of what we saw this week.
0: No, um, I think, again, those scenes are going to be shocking people for quite a long time, aren't they? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it was just, it was totally bizarre.
0: Very, very strange um, situation. Um, we can, we'll move on. Um, lastly, we, we did spend a lot of time last year talking about the chaos that might ensue from freight traffic being held up at the ports from January 1st and you know towards the end of the year we saw a lot of that but you know first week of 2021 so far looks all quiet on the coastal front
1: yeah I hope you got your fingers crossed there when you said that Ollie. <laughs> I do both I know fingers I, and,
0: and toes as well
1: there are different differing views about why that has, this has happened and uh One is that uh, haulage companies have been aware that something was in the offing uh, and that the arrangements of crossing the border were to be changing and have deliberately steered away from uh, transporting their goods through the channel ports uh, in anticipation that others wouldn't and there would be these long delays. Um, And the fact that, uh, a lot of companies kind of stockpiled goods in the run-up to Christmas, so they've got supplies which, ordinarily, would have been delivered. You know, at this particular time, they did it all before Christmas. Um, so it's it's a difficult one to call, and uh, I think any politician who says that uh, it's it's all going to be fine is possibly raising a hostage to fortune. Uh, we did speak to the leader of Kent County Council, Roger Goff, um, this week about you know how he saw the, uh, the situation, and he, he he was very cautious, but he did say there were promising signs that the kind of the the worst case scenarios were not uh, on the immediate horizon. But he qualified <laughs> that by saying, well, we always knew January was going to be quiet for the first half, so it's a kind of wait and see. Um, but I, it was in, it was interesting seeing lots of camera crews and journalists down at Dover looking for um, a, a, a recurrence of the scenes we had before Christmas, but uh, it wasn't the case.
0: No, it was very quiet. Port wasn't it? there wasn't much going yeah. on at all. I had actually um, spoken to a haulier earlier this week, who said that that they I mean they usually do a twice weekly trip um, down to uh, Brussels. Um, And that that had been put off for two weeks by the by the client themselves who have made the decision that they were going to spend a fortnight refurbishing their warehouses and then waiting to see kind of what happens two weeks later when freight really starts kicking off again. So I think, you know, as we often say on this on this uh, podcast, it's a wait and see thing. Um, but I think there's definitely it's such a terrible cop out. Isn't no, it's, it, I it's know. terrible, isn't it? I wish we had like a. Uh, we can definitively say this, but you know we can't. And um, yeah. so, so I think yeah, everyone's sort of. Uh, it sounds like Roger Roger Goff there himself is kind of crossing his fingers as well in, in hoping. But I think yeah. everyone seems to seems to believe that this might be the, the calm before the storm.
1: Well, um, we shall see, as they say. Because, I mean, <laughs> I think the, the 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 one thing to to mention is that there has been a huge amount of work gone into developing these uh, traffic management schemes and setting up lorry parks. Um, so it, it's it's a situation where the authorities have planned, have got plans uh, and will, th- those plans are going to be tested at some point um, in in the not too distant future, perhaps.
0: Mm, yes, well, we patiently await, uh, await to see what happens. And um, lastly, before we uh, before we go, we've got to do. Go what we... It,
1: there, have we, have we, rec- we run up against the clock yeah, already? We've
0: smashed through all of our points already. Um so, you know, we usually do um sort of blunder of the week or, or jargon of the week. We're gonna go for word we, of the we, year. You yeah? could
1: just say Gavin Williamson blunder of the week and just leave it at that.
0: <laughs> Savage. Um we'll go for a word that was pretty prominent last year. This is our word of the word of the year. What is it, Paul?
1: Oh, it's been used an unprecedented amount of times. <laughs> oh, he's done it. <laughs> I've done it. Unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, so you couldn't go through 2020 without uh, seeing the word this is an unprecedented situation uh, uttered almost on a daily basis and oddly enough it's carried through into 2021. Uh, because of how so unprecedented
0: everything is. Uh, do, do you know what I think actually some some of us reporters may also have been guilty of overusing this in the first couple of weeks yeah. of, of March 2020.
1: Um, so I hold I think... my hands up <laughs> to, to the charge of Belittling those who use the word "unprecedented." Yeah, I think we're but, both in I mean, in the it's, camp, actually, but... it's actually it's a good it's a good word, you know. Well, it is a good word, but but Some in a in are... a in a world where currently
0: everything is is unprecedented, it's um it has become almost meaningless in its use, hasn't it? Yeah. Maybe we need to find um, a, an alternative word. It's a bit
1: like um, you know, I've I sort of found myself talking about political turmoil mm. and political turbulence. Ooh. Uh, quite a lot. And uh, they've, they've become lumped into the kind of lexicon of Brexit and COVID. Um, you know, we, not that we could ever predict what was going to happen in, in politics anyway, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, but it's become more difficult with, you know, what we're, we're sort of ploughing through now.
0: Absolutely. Well, we will endeavor not to use that word unprecedented for the rest of 2021, but can't yeah. guarantee it. Um th- thank you for listening to our podcast as always. Uh, myself and Paul will be back next week with more political analysis.
1: See you then. Goodbye. Talking Points, Ken's Politics Podcast.